Hello and welcome to How to Lead a Group, a leadership podcast for everybody. This is the podcast where we talk to experts. We want to distill the, the collective wisdom to understand kind of what is the, the best way for us to, to lead and care for the people that God has put in front of us. Um, you know, just trying to get everything from just the practical tips and tricks to, tips and tricks to the deeper principles that, uh, that will help us do this well. This week we're talking about having a plan for your group, just understanding, okay, where, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, having, having a clear sense of vision for where we're trying to go. Before we get into that, uh, my name is Eric Ankenman. I'm on the content team here at Crossroads, and I'm joined as always by the lovelier half. I'm the podcast duo. (laughs) I'm Jamie Sims. Sims. Oh, why? (laughs) Now I'm just trying to mess you up. It's true. I'm Jamie Sims, and I'm on our communications team. Um, So, as you guys know, I like to do a segment called Get to Know Your Host. So, today's question. Bring it on. What did you want to be when you grew up? (sighs) What did I want to be when I grew up? So I think you can divide this probably into two categories. You've got like the the little kid section, which I think was like a steady stream of like superhero and As like you, do. you know knight and shiny, like depending on whatever whatever or princess. Ran. If you're a young, I didn't girl. do. I, I wasn't. I wasn't a lot of a lot of. No, I know. There. I'm just saying in the in the same vein. That's like. fair. That's fair. Yeah. So you had that kind of whole steady stream, and then I think when I was in elementary school, I had this idea. I think from a like one of those where a parent comes in and talks about their job sort of thing. We had a doctor come in and talk in our class, like, oh, that looks cool. I'll be, you know, I want to be a doctor. And then I got a little older and realized how much science and math was involved in being a doctor and how much I didn't want to spend the next several years of my life doing nothing but science and math, and that was kind of out the door. Um, I, I do much better with words most most of the time. So what about you? Um, yeah, I... I don't remember, like, when I was little being like, oh, I want to be a princess or I want to be that. I just remember, like, both of my parents were workaholics, and I thought, like, I could do that way better than they did it. So I wanted to be the working parent in the home, and I wanted my husband to be a stay-at-home dad. Like, that is is the only distinct memory I had of, like, childhood and what I wanted to be. I was like, I want to be the worker. I don't know what that means, but... Um, and then in high school, I kind of had like a, a thing. I wanted to be um, an athletic trainer. Like I wanted to travel with a pro football team or a pro baseball team and to like look after injuries. Um, and then that kind of like I went through this like whole thing of like, well, okay, maybe I would do it for a college and then maybe a high school. And then I was like, I'll be an engineer. <laughs> so. That's that's quite the jump from athletic trainer to engineer to now working. At a church in, in, on the communication in communications. Yeah, like, yeah, no. It's... All right. All right. So we've probably fooled around long enough, don't you think? Let's introduce our guest. Uh, we are joined today by one of the experts, not quite in residence, but you do spend a fair amount of time in contact with this community and down here pretty frequently, uh, Paul McConaughey. Thanks Hi. for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. But... Before we get into any of the serious stuff, we have a little get-to-know-you quiz that we always like to do with everybody that comes on the podcast. Sure. Kind of five questions, rapid fire, get-to-know-you sort of stuff. Uh, You ready? Yeah. All right. Um, What is your job? And tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. I have have lots of different jobs. So um, I work at a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, doing uh, leadership and discipleship stuff with them. Uh, And then the other component of what I do really is I head up an organization called 3DM 
which does um, training and consultancy with churches and with pastors all over America to help them to transition their church into much more of a kind of missional discipleship based kind of church. So that's, that's my main kind of focus, I guess. Excellent. Um, in terms of my family, I'm married to Ellie and uh, we've been married uh, 21 years. I've got two daughters, Grace, who is 17 and Hannah, who's 15. Awesome. What's your middle name? Uh, Michael. What's the best movie you've seen in the last year? Um, I think that would have to be um, Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know whether you've seen that movie. Uh, it's probably come up before if people have. It has, for sure. It is multiple, an awesome movie. If multiple it hasn't been, times. If it hasn't yet been, if, you, if anyone out there hasn't yet seen it, you need to go and see that movie. It's fantastic. How many cats is too many cats? I would say uh, one is too, too many. <laughs> Beautiful. Man after man art. What's your biggest pet peeve? Do you know, I think, you know when you get, um, when you buy stuff that only has one job and then it doesn't do that job? <laughs> like, like the other day, I, I had an ice cream scoop. Like, an ice cream scoop only has one job, yeah? We had ice slightly cream. hard ice cream and the ice cream scoop broke in half. The like, you had one job. So yeah, stuff that, bro- that, that only has one job and doesn't do it. Yeah. So... I want to add one other question onto this quiz here because, as all of our listeners will readily have noticed by now, you are the possessor of a fantastic accent that I, I think probably automatically makes you sound smarter and more cultured than either Jamie or I. It's true. Um, and clearly does not come from living and growing up in the Midwest. So. Where did you get that fantastic accent? I, I think it is fair to say that it, it's not a Fort Wayne accent. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Although, of course, to me, you guys are the ones with the accents. Yeah, but uh, That's fair. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I'm English. I was uh, born in London, grew up in a city called Sheffield in northern England. And uh, we moved to the States about two and a half years ago. So not awesome. long enough for me to lose my accent. Beautiful. Hold on to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so well, last time around, we talked a fair amount about relationships and how in any in any group you know there's this tension between the relational aspect and then content or what kinds of things we're doing and talk quite a bit about the need to emphasize relationships and today we want to kind of swing the pendulum back the other way because even with relationships being primary there's still this this kind of practical concern of like I gotta I've got to do something with them I have to have some sort of plan mm-hmm. um, so we want to unpack that a little bit today so knowing that we've got group leaders that are kind of all over the map like what's the kind of big picture opening advice you'd give to just group leaders in general about thinking through how do you plan for a group sure well I think that um, probably the one of the really important things is um, even kind of goes before planning is that you have to have a sense of vision so what is it that you're trying to achieve you know mm-hmm. i think as as christians we have you know if you the the dna of the bible it seems to me um that goes all the way through from the beginning to the end of the bible is a kind of a weave of covenant and kingdom so covenant is about the relationships that you were talking about last mm-hmm. time and kingdom is about the activities about the things that god wants us to do you know it says doesn't it of the increase of his kingdom there shall be no end and mm-hmm. um so groups um, always will have a purpose, and in some ways, if, we're, if, if it's a group run by Christians, the purpose is going to be about extending the kingdom of God. So um, I think you have to start by saying, you know, uh, what's the vision? What are we trying to achieve here? And, um, and you can ask that at a number of different levels, can't you? You can say, you know, what are we trying to achieve 
in a kind of bigger picture in our neighbourhood or in the kind of wider network of people that this group is kind of part of or in our church mm-hmm. you could say what are we trying to achieve with individu- in- individuals in the group you know what mm-hmm. do we want what's our vision for people who if you join this group then what would we like to have happened in your life mm-hmm. you know however many weeks or months uh, in the future so I think starting with vision then you can start once you have a clear sense of vision then you can start to kind of plan into that mm-hmm. so if you're talking um, to a, a brand new group leader um, who we, we in previous weeks we talked about it's just like there's nerves there and, and not knowing if they're worthy and not knowing how they can step forward so could you give them like just an idea of how to plan those first two months of like what should they do um, and what are reasonable expectations they should have Sure. Um, one of the things, one of my tips would be, um, I think that when you first start a group, um, you, you need that vision, but you also need a core team. And I, I, my recommendation would be that you, a core team has to have at least two units. And by a unit, I mean either a single person or a couple. So, if, if, you know, a couple, sure, it's two people, but you're kind of one thing as well. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily have the external perspective that you have. So I would say start by having a vision and then by finding at least one other person or couple that you can, who can share with you the process of planning. Because I think planning is very difficult if you're just trying to do it in your head without any other reference. Whereas once you have a little team of people to talk about it, it suddenly gets much easier because you're thinking about, you know, well, what, what have we noticed is going on the first time we met, what, you know, so on. So that, that would be one little tip, would be to have a core team. And then the, I think the other thing would be to um, begin to think about um, the components of um, the group, the, the different components of group life. You know, to me, uh, the essence of what we're called to be as Christians could be could be summed up in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Great Commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, depending on which version you read. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. love God and love your neighbour. So, mm-hmm. that's the Great Commandment. And then the Great Commission, go and make disciples. And then... Um, I don't think you can go far wrong in a group, regardless of what the group is. So you may just be having a group to say, we're going to meet on a Wednesday night and we're going to study Romans for 10 weeks. Or you may have a group that's saying, we're trying to reach our neighbourhood with the good news of Jesus, and this is a long-term thing, and we're really trying to, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole range of what you could do as a group, isn't there? But I would I'd suggest that any group, if you're, if you're leading it, and if it's a kingdom kind of venture, if it has a kingdom vision, you should be able to begin to answer those questions. How... What's our, what's our vision for how we fulfill the great commandment? Um, so that's about you know loving God and each other and also the great commission. So what are the components of our group? So even if we're just doing a Bible study, um, you know, what are the components of that which, have, which are about discipleship as opposed to just you know, learning more about God, mm-hmm. for example? Does that make sense? It does. So I think that gives you that kind of, that kind of background can give you a framework that then mm-hmm. you can start to build a plan around on a, on a weekly basis. You know, though, you breaking it down like that um, feels to me like you're describing what I've heard dis- you know used in other circles around here as just up in and out. You know, that relationship with God, that relationship with with others, and then the relationship with the world or, or you know people you're trying to reach and those sorts of things. Let's back up for a little bit. You you unpacked those a little bit, but talk to me about why those are so important. Kind of more from a practical standpoint, and kind of what happens in a group sure. when those aren't there. You know, it's yeah, it's one thing to go, okay, yeah, we should do all those things, but like, there's there's a there's a practical reason behind it too. There is. So, um, so 
um, the, the thing about a group is that um, if it's going to grow and the people in it are going to flourish, I think those, those different components are, are all um, kind of essential in there. So a classic group for me would be, really when, you, when you're planning a group, you have to think about um, how far you're trying to go with the people in that group. Mm-hmm. I think it's a legitimate thing to, you know, it may be that you're trying to build, you know, full on extended family type stuff long term, that's great. But it may be that actually you're clear we haven't got the time to do that right now. We've got very busy lives. Our kids are all doing sports, whatever it is. But we do want to meet once a week with some other Christians to you know, press into some things. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing is it's really important to be clear about what is the scope of what we're trying to do mm-hmm. and, and be very clear with people that you invite to join your group what it is that you do. So I think you know, every group has boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better if they're declared boundaries than if they're secret boundaries that people only discover when they step <laughs> over them, yeah? So it's like somebody joins your group because they really want to spend all their time with you, but actually there was this hidden boundary that it's only on Wednesday night and that's all I'm offering. It's right. better if you're actually <laughs> yeah. up front, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so, but having said that, whatever the scope of the group, I would say that um, you, you probably want some component of devotional time. Mm-hmm. So some component of, you know, thinking about scripture or worship or... And, and it depends what, what's going on. If it's a group, for example, that has lots of seekers in it, lots of people who don't yet know Jesus, then it's not probably going to be singing hymns together and, uh, right. you know, and uh, doing a 40-minute a, a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Come on, but, man, we just got together to brew beer. Like, what are we... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you probably want something in there. So, for example, um, one of the things that we do... With, with I'm, I lead a missional community with my wife um, on our neighbourhood and we've got a lot of folks there who are seekers but definitely don't know the Lord yet mm-hmm. and they don't have any church background so we don't um, at this point do you know formal worship or anything but what we what we do do is uh, after we've eaten together when we all we all get together for a bit of time and we every week we go around and we do Thanksgiving and we start with the kids we go around and everyone says something they're thankful for and because that's something you can do if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian mm-hmm. but it just is a way of beginning it's just a really basic simple way of actually kind of it's, it's the it's the kind of love God component isn't it you're just mm-hmm. so you, you want to put something like that in every week I would say and then you want something as well that just gives people a chance to build community within a group mm-hmm. so if you get a group where people are so focused on the task that you don't give any time to building a relationship the group will it, well it will firstly it will attract certain kinds of people who are not very relational mm-hmm. and if you have too many of those kinds of people in a group the group is not going to flourish mm-hmm. you want to obviously you want you want to have a task you want to have a vision but you, there's got to be the relational component so for example you're meeting you know midweek once a week you, you don't have to you've just got a couple of hours so you don't want to do some big meal but um, it may be that you decide you're just going to do I don't know desserts or something something quicker or you're just going to get people to bring some nice baked goods or something um, eating together is a really really important component of group life I think mm-hmm. it's not like it's the magic you know it's the magic um, ingredient but it, I think it is a really important component to building a sense of community sure and then so you're thinking about some sort of devotional component you're thinking about some sort of thing about how do we build community each week and then the other thing I would say would be um, uh, you know at Crossroads um, is not Crossroads is not a church that's an insular inward looking church it's Mm. a church that's really aware that part of our task is to share the good news with other people and so I think regardless of what your task is there should be some part part of your planning which is how do we make sure that um, when we meet, that what we're doing is accessible for people who don't know Jesus yet. So, mm. for example, it's worth thinking about the language that you use in the group. If it's over Christianese, you know, Christian kind of language, mm. that, that, that could make it very difficult for people who aren't Christians. 
Um, how do we how do we um, identify and, and in, invite people who don't yet know the Lord, and how do we make that part of the fabric of what we're doing? So, I'd say thinking about those components as much as possible as you plan on a weekly basis is important. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I'd say in group in group life is um, you probably just need to have some predictable patterns. You obviously don't want it to be boring and be the same thing every week. Mm-hmm. But I found that group life works really. It, it really helps group life if there are some things that you do do every week. So it's everybody like who comes every week, a yeah, rhythm I know like, what to yeah, expect. yeah. This is this. We always do this. You yeah. Know? So, <clears throat> how do you um, how do you approach like the out component with people who are non-believers? Like, how do you? Um, yeah, that's good. Really get them on board with it, or because arguably they they could be a part of your out and like sure. helping them come in. Um, yeah, like with your neighborhood group. That's sure. Like, that springs to mind. Yeah, that's helpful. Well, I mean, what I would say is that actually, in terms of vision, I mean, you mentioned um, up in and out um, mm-hmm. earlier, Eric. And in terms of vision, I think it really helps if you actually have a little, in your mind at least, you have a little vision statement for each of those three components. Mm-hmm. So, what are we trying to do with our group in terms of the upward dimension, loving God? What are we trying to do in terms of our community, inward dimension? And what are, who are we trying to reach? I think the out always needs to be a who, not a what. Mm. Because um, what we tend to do is we tend to be a bit nervous of trying to reach people who don't know Jesus. So we feel like we ought to do an out, but we often will make the out some sort of service project or something instead of actually trying to reach people who don't know Jesus. Yeah. So that would be a little tip would be when you when you say the out, try and make it a who, not a what. Mm. And so uh, for our, we're doing a neighborhood missional community. So our, um, our inward vision is we want to learn how to be great neighbors who feel like family. Mm. Our upward vision is... We want to be people who don't just know about God, but also, but actually get to know God. Mm-hmm. And our outward vision is we want to reach people in the Longwood neighbourhood who don't yet know Jesus with the good news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is, if if a Christian approaches us and says, "I'd like to join your group," mm-hmm. we'd say, "We'd love you to join the group, but only if the vision is your vision." Right. And we'd tell them the out. For, so for Christians, we'd tell them the out vision. We'd say, "Our vision is to reach the people of Longwood neighbourhood with the gospel." Mm-hmm. Is that your vision? because it looks to me like you don't even live in Longwood I mean how does that work you know right. or whatever it is so you have a conversation like that um, with Christian because what you don't want one of the things that can really make stop a group from being effective in terms of growing with seekers is that it, you get so full of Christians who just join because they like you but don't really share the vision mm-hmm. that then you spend all your time looking after the Christians <laughs> and you don't have enough time to reach out to anybody yeah so mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to watch that when you form a group I think yeah um, so so I would always you know I'd definitely be open to any Christian joining a group of mine but I'd say well that's the vision is that the vision you want and for example there's a couple who've joined our group of Christians who aren't from our neighborhood they're from another neighborhood but they said to us well we want to learn how to do this from you guys Mm-hmm. So we'll commit to reaching the people of your neighbourhood for the next year with you. Um, if you'll say, if in a year's time you'll send us out and release us and send us out to do it in our neighbourhood, so we're like, great, that sounds yeah. great, yeah, yeah. But then, but then, what I found is with people who are seekers or who don't yet know Jesus, you still have to invite them based on vision. Mm-hmm. So it's inauthentic and a bit disingenuous. To, if someone thinks they're just coming to hang out and then they find there's some group going on you know right. you've got to be up front with people but what I would do is with, with non-Christians I would use the up and the in vision so we've, we got to know some folks in our neighbourhood we, um, we actually went round door to door about about 50 houses around our house knocked on, on the doors and said hi we're your new neighbours this is when we moved in the English accent helped uh, we said you know we've just moved into your neighbourhood just thought we'd get to know you 
and my wife got a Google map of all the houses in our neighbourhood, blew it up big, and we wrote the names of each neighbour and any of their kids. So we knew all the names of all 50 people in the houses around us, yeah? Mm. So then we went back to them, now we've got their names, with a, with a card, with a personal invitation by name, to say, this is back in the summer, to say, we're going to have um, an, English, uh, an English tea party in our backyard <laughs> on Saturday afternoon, would love you to come, yeah? So we gave them all of those invitations, about 40 turned up, yeah? Wow, that's yeah? awesome. And then the ones that didn't turn up, we took spare, um, we took some of the leftover um, brownies and, and you, the English cream tea is, is like scones with jam and cream, yeah? So we took those in little bags around to the ones that didn't, so we still had another point of contact, yeah? So right. we start, and then we did some other events through the summer, just big events, just designed to get to know people. Mm-hmm. And all the time we were asking, who are the people who really feel like people of peace? Who are the people that actually are open to us, that mm-hmm. want to hang out with us? Because mm-hmm. they're the people we're going to invite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we got to know people, we began to identify them. Our ne- next door neighbours that we moved in next to who are Christians, they were our core team. So they were doing this with us. Mm-hmm. So we're meeting saying, okay, that was a great time. Who do we think the people of peace were? And eventually we narrowed it down to about three or four families. And so we, we made the ask. We said, hey guys, we're going to um, start meeting every week. And um, this is what our group is about. It's we want to learn how to be great neighbours that feel like family, and we want to be people who don't just know about God but actually know God. And we just felt like it's been great getting to know you. Would you be interested in doing that with us? And of the four families, it was four families mainly that we asked. One of them said, "We really like you guys, but we don't like that overt God stuff." So they didn't. The other three came, and they've still been coming every week. They've been mm-hmm. coming regularly. Wow! So it's been awesome because then it's it's authentic, isn't it? You haven't. They, they, they know what they're coming to. Yeah. We're still running the group in a way that is very accessible to them. So, you know, we're not singing the hymns. We're just doing a Thanksgiving. Right. Right. But, we're, but we're still talking about stuff in the Bible, you know, in an informal way. We'd, we'll, we'll tell a story every week. We'll say, you know, this, is, this happened to me. It made me think about this scripture. And then we'll get people to break down into little groups and talk and pray about it. And um, we've really, we haven't seen anybody come to faith yet. We've only been doing this a few months. But we've really seen a number of them really growing in their faith just a few weeks ago one guy um, confessed sin we had a group of guys praying um, as we broke out into groups and for the first time he said in his life he confessed some stuff to God and asked for forgiveness well that's a big deal isn't it yeah so it's been exciting so so I'd say the tip would be if for Christians joining your group mm-hmm. talk about the outward vision and make sure that they're aligned with that vision if they're going to join the group yeah. for seekers and for non-Christians talk about the outward and the inward vision but still invite them based on vision Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, in terms of the spectrum of the group, I'm talking about probably the groups more at the missional community sure. type end. Mm-hmm. But I still think that's true to some extent, regardless of what group you have. Because okay. um, I think that if you have a group that doesn't have an outward component, a missional component to it, in the end, it will tend to become inward looking and stagnant. Mm-hmm. And there's something about together reaching out to those who don't yet know Jesus that injects life into the life of any group. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of as we wrap up here, there's a couple questions I'd love to for us to end with. Um, and you've mentioned several different things kind of throughout, but I'd love to have, you know, so for anybody who's listening going, you know, this is great, or, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of connecting points. Like, if you could tell any group leader, if you do nothing else, do this, what would that thing be? I think it would be um, get a core team, get a vision. I think if you've got those two things, you can go a long way. If you don't get those two things, you kind of bump along the bottom trying to make your group work and it never quite comes together. So up in out vision and a core team with at least one other personal couple 
that you can kind of plan with and think through. I'd say that would be the really important one. That's good. Awesome. So on the other side of this, to make it uh, more human for people and especially just letting them know, like, it may not work right or the way you expect it every time. Can you share, like, a funny fail story or just a funny story around, um, you know, planning for a group that you've had or sure. how it didn't go? Well, our first, the first group that my wife and I really ran, we were, we were worship leaders at the church that um, we, we were at in, in uh, Sheffield, England, and, um, and we heard about this kind of missional community thing, we, we, and we got excited about it. And at that point, it was a very kind of presentational worship. Uh, we had a worship team of 30 people, a lot of really good musicians, mm-hmm. it was quite a big church, and we practiced for about two and a half, three hours on a Thursday night, ready for the Sunday, you know. Sure. And... Um, and we just got really excited about this missional community idea. And we, we thought, what we'll do is we'll turn it into a missional community. So we'll still meet on a Thursday, but we'll eat together. We'll do some worship together. We'll talk about faith a bit. And we'll have a vision for welcoming the stranger. And we'll start reaching out to some non-worship team people and seeing if we can get some people to join us and see if we can share Jesus with them. And we were really excited about it. So we gathered the worship team together and we shared this vision with, with them. And we said, um, we want you to go away have a think about it, have a pray about it, come back next week and tell us wh- whether you're up for this. And um, so we, we gathered the next week, 30 in the worship team, of the 30, 27 left. Oh, oh no. So, so, <laughs> so the following week, we're having to leave worship. I mean, fortunately, my wife played keyboard and I played guitar. The other person who stayed with us played the oboe. So it's like, there's only so many oboe solos you can have. You know what I mean? So yeah, that, that didn't feel like, it felt like maybe we jumped in the deep end of it too quick with right. that one. <laughs> it worked out okay in the end, but it was a pretty, uh, it was pretty scary. For a lot a of oboe for a little while yeah. there. That's, that's funny. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thanks for joining us today. This is awesome. It's been great to be with you. Thanks for Awesome. So Eric, no. what are we doing next What are we doing time? next time? We're talking about spiritual parenting. Ooh, spiritual parenting. Yeah. Are we talking about regular parenting too? We're talking about children. All right. Think of the think think of the the children. Okay. Awesome. Thanks everybody for joining us. We'll see you next time.